How's it guys? My name is Mark Hastick and you're listening to the first episode of the Birding Life Youth Podcast's third season. I'm super chuffed that we have gotten this far and recently the Birding Life Youth Podcast, if I can say the adult podcast, has reached 100 episodes. Flippin' awesome. And uh, yeah, go check out on social media. They're posting some awesome stuff about what people have learned, what they appreciate and like a little things that people have to say about the Birding Life podcast. So today on the Birding Life Youth Podcast, I have two members from a youth wildlife photography community. And we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. And there's a couple of surprises in between because we kept this podcast flexible. But uh, take a listen. Hope you enjoy. So now we've got both of you guys on the episode here. Nice to have Gabby Sikora and Luca Tomlinson from all the way from Gauteng, you guys. Hey. Yeah. All okay, the way from cool. All the way, yeah. No wonder I'd love to have conversation over the table with you guys. In fact, I'd love to do that with all of my guests and meet them face to face. But unfortunately, about 90% of my guests I've never actually met. Anyways, today we have two guests who are part of an awesome community called young wildlife photographers and i've been part of this community and group for about a year now um i, I think it felt it's, it's felt more than more than that actually but uh gabby since you created this group um tell me a bit about how long it's been going for when did you start this group so um yeah thanks so much for having us mark so much has happened since our last chat with you and actually shortly after the chat luca and i became a couple and um, if there was ever photographic competition within our family before, it has now multiplied by a million fold. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're very pleased to be back and chatting to you. It's a real privilege. So let me start off by telling you a little bit more about myself. I am Gabby Sikora, a 14-year-old wildlife photographer. So a part of something we do at YWP is we introduced a new feature where I interviewed specialists or professionals in the field. Um, these are called star segments. And one very special star segment was one where I hosted Beverly and Derek Hubert, who, if you don't know, are National Geographic Explorers at large. And a few weeks later, Beverly invited me to represent her at the International Women's Blaze Trail Symposium, which honors women in science, exploration, and conservation. So this opened a many great doors for me. And hopefully by this time next year, I will have a lot more to report back on. What is YWP all about? Mm. Our main focus of YWP is really bringing the youth together to build these young wildlife photographers up. I mean, at the end of the day, we truly are the next generation in photography and conservation. So if we want to make a difference, we have to start now. Um, mm. So... I often get asked, why did you start YWP, like you just asked? Yes, and yes. it started from this idea that popped up in my head one day. So when I joined Instagram and created my wildlife account, I saw all these budding young photographers. And quite frankly, other than just commenting like amazing posts or incredible shots, that is all the interaction you have with these young people. So I took it upon myself to create a group with all like-minded people to just chat and get to know one another better. And let me just ask, 
Um, did you create the WhatsApp group first or was it the Instagram page first? We created the WhatsApp group first and then I think two months later or so, we created the Instagram account. Right. Okay. I thought it was that way. Because I remember a bunch of people joined on the WhatsApp group and it was all of a sudden there's there's this growing bunch of, there's this growing group of a bunch of like-minded wildlife enthusiasts and everyone's just talking to each other saying, oh, I'm from here, I'm from there. This is where I do my photography. This is what I've seen. And it was just this sudden, wow, there's this community of young photographers out there that I didn't even know about. And all of a sudden they're all interacting. It was such a cool moment. But anyway, do continue. I'd love to hear more. Um, so, well, if I remember correctly, I don't know, last time I spoke to you in your podcast last year, Mark, nearly a year ago now, I think we had around only 40 members. So I'm really excited to tell you that we are now coming up to nearly 400 members. Yes, like I, when I chatted to you guys uh, about uh, two, three weeks ago about this episode I wanted to do, um, you mentioned that you had 320 members. So now it's grown even more in the last three, four weeks. So that's e excellent to hear. Absolutely excellent. Like every day, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and it's grown more than I'd ever imagined. So in fact, we grew so much that we had to split the group into various groups, ranging from mainly the chatter boxes to the quieter information only. Yeah. Um, and we also have a designated chat group where we talk about anything and everything related to wildlife or not. Um, and yeah, and we've recently expanded into conservation too. So we all really feel strong about the topic and want to get more involved. Yes. How do we do this is still very much a work in progress, but we will hopefully be able to come back and tell you all about this at a later stage. That's excellent. Yes. Yes. Continue. Oh no, there's nothing to say. I just said that to me. Oh, okay. That's all. That, that's Gabby. That's Gabby Sakura. Now, Luca, <laughs> uh, since Gabby's taken the, the first stretch of the show, uh, tell us a bit about your photography and, and wildlife interest. Uh, give us a brief, how's it, my name's Luca kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Luca. Um, I chatted to you about a year ago, I think, as Gabby said. Um, then I had only been doing photography for, I think it was a year and a bit since I picked up the camera for the first time. So now it's been over two years. And mm. I must say, I've learned a lot, especially from the group. I mean... There's always things to be learned from each other. And so, yeah, we try to go to the bush as often as possible. Um, my Instagram page also has been growing quite a bit. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how far I've come this far. You just saw a raptor kill a dove in your garden. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, okay, let me let me just pause this. We'll be, we'll be back in a moment. What? Okay, folks, so we're back. We're rolling again. I just got a picture from Gabby. She sent me a photo of a raptor in a tree with a dove in its talons. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Now I'm waiting for both of them to jump onto the podcast again. This is a first. This is definitely a first. I've never had a guest on podcast who has spotted a raptor kill a dove in its garden just like that while we are recording. Oh, my soul. Okay. Luca, are you with me? I'm with you. <laughs> Bro, um, I wish I could share this photo with you. Now I'm going to forward it to you. Gabby has just sent me a photo of an African goshawk with a, a, a dove in its talons. I thought it was a little sparrowhawk, but it's bigger then. It's, it's, it's bigger than a little sparrowhawk, yeah. Um, 
That's insane. Yeah, you check. I think that's on the Gauteng rarities list. You're kidding me. <laughs> Give me a second. Well, the dove looks puny unless it's caught a juvenile dove. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm confused here. Yeah, I just looked and it looks. I don't know if the African has that much rufus on the. I don't know. We'll ask Gabby what she thinks. Yeah, the Gabby, you're here with us. Sorry about that, everyone. Don't be sorry. You just saw an African. I mean, you just saw an occipiter catch something in your garden. Um, what do you reckon it is, Gabby? We're we're having a bit of a debate here. Um, I have no idea. I'm not good with birds. Oh come on, give I a guess. Luca and... Well, Lucas said it's a little sparrow hawk, so I'm just gonna go with that. Yeah, no, I think he's quite quite correct. Luca, you're very right. Um, it was my bad for judging it. Uh without looking properly. African goshawks occur all over the place in the Western Cape here, so I didn't think twice about that. But if you look at the sear of this bird, the reason I'm wrong is that the, the sear, which is a yellow part on the top of the bill, in the photo, um, is very yellow. It's distinct yellow from the black part of the bill. In African goshawks, there's a, it, it merges kind of from black into a dull yellow. And obviously, little sparrowhawks are much smaller, which is hard to tell in this photo because looks like it's got a juvenile dove. Um, yeah, you, we have lots of doves around. Did, did you by any chance see it actually grab the dove? No, actually, my mom's sitting in the lounge and I'm sitting at the back door and we're having this chat. And then I see something land in this tree with something in its mouth and i'm like okay <laughs> i call my mom to come look over she rushes to go get the cameras and yeah we got the shot mom got the shot so okay yeah, we sure um is that uh, a new one for your list have you seen it before it's a lifer so i'm what? quite happy I'm oh, so we have got in the background a, a raptor catching a prey on the podcast and we have someone getting their lifer while recording a podcast that that isn't that is that is definitely this is definitely a first of its kind kind of podcast <laughs> if you ask me yeah, it's four now the life list luca just so you know luca and i have constant competition over the life list so uh -huh. <laughs> are you 324 yeah and luca you happy to share yours um, not too happy since Gabby's just said that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but it's um, 310. <laughs> 310. Wow, okay. Yeah. Mm. Have you got a little spa yet, Luca? Yeah, I saw one actually in my estate here in Joburg. It caught a sparrow or something and then it flew away. And then I also saw one recently in Durban. Sure. So yeah, only twice. But mm, Lovely little birds. Absolutely lovely. Sure. Life for me still sounds quite happy. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, is it is it out of view? It's not still in your garden, is it? No, it's flown away now. Okay, cool. So let's let's move on to another topic now that the sparrowhawk has given us a bit of a show and entertainment. So speaking about hunting, raptors hunting pigeons and doves here. One of the interesting things that has come up within the youth wildlife photography community is the conservation group that we've managed to have a couple of discussions in on a WhatsApp group, um, which is part of the YWP. What are some of the things that you discuss on there? And I'll raise 
one thing here and it's we've had many discussions on hunting and um, trophy hunting and how it could possibly impact tourism and income in the country uh, but what are some of the other interesting things that you guys have managed to raise and bring forth on those on youth wildlife photography conservation group Brilliant. Okay, so yeah, like Mark said, it's been the subject of much debate on the conservation group. And to be honest, like while I understand numbers need to be controlled, the whole idea of the quota stating young leopards rather than the older ones, that really bothers me. There's so much for the young ones to still have so much of a life and experience and stuff. There's just so much to discuss about like very saddening topic but it is reality that we face and yeah it does bring income into the tourism industry but it's like minuscule compared to everything else so in my opinion I'm not really a fan of it that's understandable now I've got some points here I'd like to raise just as brief questions we won't go too much into the topic because we'll be raising these topics on the youth wildlife photography conservation group itself but some interesting things that I'd like to mention are questions such as this. When you strip, and I want you guys to answer this if, you, if anything pops into your head, when you strip it to its essentials, is hunting about the desire to kill wild animals? Is it true that hunting is not about conservation and community upliftment? When, when I say those, when I say those two questions, what comes into mind? Hmm, that's a tough one. You know, is it, is, um, it, is it solely about, when you strip it to its essentials, is hunting just about killing animals? And is it true that trophy hunting is not about conservation or uplifting communities at all? No, I don't think so, to be honest with you. Yeah, about the um, communities. With the hunting farms, you'll see that like, only a few people are employed, maybe one or two guys that help facilitate the hunt, but then mainly the, the people that own the property will probably be like one guy he'll get all that money that they pay to kill that animal. So they just breed the, all the animals and then let them into that specific area. And they, they make it seem as if it, they're wild animals, like inverted com in, in inverted commas. But they're actually in kind of small areas. And yeah. so the hunters, they're, like, they're actually very good. They found a wild animal they're going to kill. They, they're actually a hero, but in reality, they're not. Yeah. And I don't think any money goes back unless it's, through the government, which I don't think there are really any trophy hunts through the government. Even if it was, though, I'm sure you guys all know, will agree that that money's never going to see the communities. So yeah, I don't, I don't really think it. Yeah. No, it's an incredibly complex topic because there's a lot of, you know, passing money, money behind the back um, when it comes to this industry, um, and it's not all, all aspects and all um, businesses within this industry that are wrong and and do it corruptibly. Uh, corruptly, but um, many of the animals are canned, like the predators, especially, and that that hurts a lot of people because people like to see the big beasts wild and free. Whereas you know the herbivores, as they're more abundant, it's less harmful. It's less hurting to see them die and get eaten, uh, because us as South Africans, we do still eat meat, um, many of us, and um, you know it's 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 uh, um, it's. It's heartbreaking to see animals die when you pay so much for them. You see people shooting animals that you know are endangered. Uh, but on the other side, it is bringing in a lot of money. So 
as I said, this is such a controversial topic that just needs so much more. It needs so much more conversation. People mustn't keep quiet about this, you know, whether they be supporting it or, or discriminating it. Uh, people should talk to understand and to get to, to know more about each other's thoughts and what the, the citizens of South Africa actually think about this. What is actually truth? What is actually false? And who's standing for what? Because at the moment, there's a bit of a, a blank space on, on this topic where no one really knows who stands where because no one's talking about this enough because people are scared to mention it because it's such a controversial topic. And I think where you guys come in is with the Youth Wildlife Photography Conservation, cons, um, con, co, conservation Conversation Group, if I could call it that, um, although that 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 phrase is uh, brought up, it, it, that phrase was made by BirdLife South Africa. I just like it because it's very alliterative, uh, has alliteration. Anyways, you know, you guys come in handy there because it's a platform built for people to share their thoughts and opinions and perspectives. So I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It is a very controversial topic. And if I can just add, um, we had a very unfortunate incident where a couple of friends invited us to go camping. I think it was our winter camp. Um, and we went camping with them. And one early morning when we woke up around four o'clock, we heard gunshots. And like we thought, okay, maybe they're just like shooting doves or pigeons or something like that. Then a bit like a few hours later, this huge like land cruiser comes past with, I'd say like eight people all holding their massive rifles and then we took a drive like around the area and then you see all these like white lions in this tiny little enclosure I'd say there were about 10 of them just like sitting there and you could see like the fear in their eyes whenever someone drove past so um and also we went to I think it was around that restaurant area or something they had these tiny lion cubs um, and at the time, we didn't really know that they were going to be bred for hunting and stuff. But it just shows you how, like, some people can be unaware of what they're doing. Mm. So you first you first-handedly witnessed a wild, I mean, a, a canned lion hunting ground. I mean, you don't have to share where yeah. it is, but it's that's interesting <laughs> to know that you witnessed that area. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. I was quite, I was still quite young. Um, I can just add that we left like two days earlier because we just couldn't stand it. Like you wake up. So we first wake up to hearing lions roaring and like the typical bush sound. And then like after that, we heard rifles and we never knew where we were. Like friends of ours just said, come with us here. And we're like, okay, we took up the offer. We pitched our tents. We wake up in the morning and yeah, it was very unfortunate. Yeah, so I also had a similar experience to Gabby. Uh, we went to this one place in Bella Bella. I think it was two years ago, so I can't really remember. But we had gone there before, and then this time we said, let's go back. And then, so we could, they don't have any predators or anything. It was quite a small farm, but what we didn't realize was then in that time that we hadn't gone since the last time, they had started hunting there. I'm not sure if it was only the owners or if they were people were paying, but we saw them um, with guns and stuff, and it was obvious that they were doing hunting there. And when you go on walks and stuff, you'll see that you don't see anything. Like one, you spot the herd in Poland. In Poland, normally 
the most chilled animals and you, you get within 100 meters of them, they first spot you and then they run Yo. because they know that humans are, they just get used to that gunshot and they know what's coming. So it's, a, it's just really horrible, you know. It's, mm. it's sad because if you just made that space into a safe place for them, and I mean, there's so many farms next to each other that do the same thing. And I think it just comes down to money because mm. Mm. yes, they could make lodges, they could all join in make a, a bigger reserve but i think in the short term they're going to make m- more money from the hunting and i think that's really what they care about so it's quite sad talking about money here's here's some interesting points uh in 2016 leopard hunting was banned temporarily numbers because the numbers were unclear uh but i think this year beginning of this year there were quarters released um or uh, uh by the government saying that you could shoot a certain amount of each of the big five um, throughout the year, including the rhino people. Um, and believe it or not, there are benefits, but there are also disadvantages to this. And the, the matter is not if there is disadvantages, it, the, the matter of this problem is, can you weigh the disadvantages with the advantages? And so this is the kind of stuff we will, so this is the kind of stuff we will cover over the the topics that the youth wildlife photography conservation group will yeah we talk about over there um but the other interesting point is compared to tourism our research that trophy hunting provides two percent of the total tourism value to south africa two percent that's trophy hunting trophy hunting being valued at 341 million dollars for 2015-2016 season the tourism in the year was $22.1 billion. So trophy hunting being 2% is not, is not massive. Now, if you take the hunting aspect out of those reserves or game farms, wherever they are, and you replace them with tourism, they could perhaps have the same amount of income or, 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 um, or perhaps not. But the thing is we're losing animals anyways and now they want to allow hunting to happen in a country um towards animals that are endangered or or should i say threatened at least um so so yeah um did do you guys remember this the the exact stats or 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 quarters that were released of, of which animals you were allowed to shoot and not allowed to shoot um i don't remember it exactly but i will find it for you i do have it somewhere um, but yeah, like you said, it's a very, like, in my opinion, it's a no-brainer. Like, what so many conservationists are working so hard for. Um, and like, I don't know, I'm trying to give an example now, I can't remember. Um, and they are trying so hard to conserve our wildlife, and especially rhinos, to be honest with you. Um, and there's so many, like, sanctuaries and facilities um, that take in orphaned rhinos, and then they just, like get a government statement that it's now allowed. So what they've been working so hard for is just like slipping through their fingers. And I won't say it wasn't worth it, but a small percentage is just like going down the drain. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Now, look, I think um, certainly the government has gone through more. Okay, well, I, I assume the government and the people heading this this uh, this app, this, uh, whatever this program is to to allow hunting, and to monitor it, have done much more research than we have here sitting on our bums at our home as youth members of society. Um, 
and are trying are they are making the effort to to monitor this as it seems you know it seems like they're going to do that but you now the government has in in this country has been pretty swack at certain things <laughs> anyways how can we trust them with with wildlife and 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 trophy hunting endangered or threatened animals and that's a question that is raised and i don't know how how good this is going to turn out it certainly is a good idea it's, it's got good intentions but they do say that the pathway to hell is paved with good intentions and hopefully this is not the case but um you know raising a point like this making this this rule raises a lot of questions like uh, how will they tally up all the rhinos and here's in actual fact here's the 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 numbers that they will allow 10 rhinos 10 leopards and 150 elephants a year uh, in february the de the department of For fisheries forest and fisheries and environment announced a hunting quarter for that um and how are they going to tally that up how are they going to make sure that every private game reserve doesn't do more than that um and and you know it's just encouraging more hunting of endangered animals we actually want to discourage that these days um and you know many people take the stance that listen hunting is awesome trophy hunting on the other hand which is a branch off of hunting on its own is something all on its own you know if you kill an animal this is what some people stand for and this is their their morals if i could say kill an animal you got to eat it you don't kill an animal to stuff it and put it on a wall um only i mean if you kill a kudu you can eat it it feeds the community it feeds your family you can make money out of it and it's not a rare animal but if you kill a lion you know different story maybe it's a nice big lion that can add to the gene pool um although it's bringing lots of money you're killing a, a species that is a lot more threatened than a buck so a lot of questions get raised with this interesting new law or should i say all these quarters um and they definitely need to be discussed uh, so any last words you guys um, so I don't, I don't think I really agree with the leopards or the, the rhinos because leopards, they used to be found everywhere. I mean, they're probably one of the most adaptive species. And we all know, I mean, I've been reading articles all the time about leopard populations decreasing because of um, habitat loss. So I really don't think, don't know why you would be wanting to reducing them even by a little bit because I think every leopard counts, you know. Um, towards the population and same thing with the rhinos but with the elephants um, it, it depends in which way it's done because I think I'm not sure if you're aware but there are way too many elephants in most of the reserves in South Africa even the Kruger um, is way overpopulated by elephants so I think there yes. definitely does need to be something done about the elephants because they are a huge problem to the environment I mean they converting woodlands to savannah and it can't really come back in a, in a long time i mean it's pretty much permanent damage now there's there's big um, ecosystem changes that they, they 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 can bring if the populations get too high yeah 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 so i think what they want to do is maybe find a whole group and they're just going to have to kill that whole herd of elephants because if you just kill i mean a few bulls or a big cow from a herd then those the other elephants that are left in the group are going to be left scarred, you know, and they might grow up to be problem animals mm. or and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I think it's it's just got to be done because people say it's it's inhumane, and I, I know it is a bit cruel, but in the long term, um, we created the problem of having reserves with fences 
and now we've got to fix it. Otherwise, the vegetation and there's going to be big ecosystem implications yes. if we don't do something. Very better. good point, Luca. Very good point. We have created many problems in the world's ecosystems, and now we have to fix them. Um, just like, you know, the wattle that was brought to South Africa, all the invasive birds that were brought to South Africa, um, they need to get rid of, be, be, be gotten rid of somehow. Uh, like wattle, they found a biological control agent that helps stop the seeds from forming. So that's one way to slow the spread of black wattle. <laughs> Sounds like a virus. Um, and, you know, things like invasive birds, people don't know what to do because there's there's people out there who say, no, we can't shoot them. They're animals, they're living animals. Uh, yet we created the problem. We allow them to come here, uh, us as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a body of people. You know, we said, no, nah, let's bring common starlings, Indian miners, rosewing parakeets, and let them fly free in South Africa. Oh, a few hundred years later, look what you've done. Look what you've done. Now we've got to try to fix our ancestors' problems and be it lethal be it some other mechanical way, we're going to have to find a way. And, um, you know, you're going to, there's going to be hard, hard ways to do this, you know, with the problem that we created, we've created, we have to deal with it, whether it be a hard solution or not. So, so yeah, no, good point there, Luca. Um, anyways, guys, we shall talk about this more on the youth wildlife conservation group someday. I hope to chat to you guys soon. Um, and to all the listeners out there, go follow Gabby Sykora, Luca Tomlinson, and the Youth Wildlife Photography Group on social media. And contact Gabby to be part of the WhatsApp group. Until then, cheers, guys. say that's the episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And also don't forget to follow The Birding Life on all your social media platforms and favorite podcast players. Until next time, happy birding and be blessed.